This is the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast, presented by eCity Interactive. eCity creates websites, marketing campaigns, and magic for higher ed institutions, large and small. Every digital challenge has a solution. eCity's talented team of problem solvers will help you find yours. And now, here's your host, Stephen App. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the second season, the beginning of our second season of the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast. I am your host, Stephen App. Uh, we are starting season two with a bang. Uh, we are welcoming Jenny Petty. She is the content strategist at the University of Wyoming. And we're here to talk about inbound marketing and what the University of Wyoming uh, has been able to do using the inbound methodology and, and HubSpot's marketing automation platform. Uh, Jenny Petty, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. This is my first podcast ever. I'm really excited. Now, we actually met back in uh, November at the AMA uh, Higher Ed Symposium Conference. And I think it's funny because I, I attended your session. And after the session came up to you and, and said, you're, you're kind of like a unicorn within higher education uh, because you're using inbound uh, as a methodology, which is something I, I don't think a lot of schools have jumped on the bandwagon here. And then you actually told me that that was a phrase you your team uses internally, which I think is so funny. Yeah, it's really funny. So, you know, I came from private industry before I came to higher ed. So the way I approach things is a little bit different. And my team um, here at UW is actually made up of people who all came from private industry. So we call ourselves Team Unicorn. So it's really funny. And the, and the other thing is, I have a four-year-old little girl who is a unicorn expert. So unicorns are prevalent in my life. <laughs> <laughs> this is when you're, when you're a parent, I feel like you have your one professional life and then you've got this whole other personal life. It's rare that they, that they match up this way. Yes. So I want to really talk about inbound marketing and what the University of Wyoming has has done with it. But I think before we even get to that, can you tell me a little bit about maybe what your role or your team's role or, or even what the University of Wyoming was doing in terms of its marketing before you adopted inbound? Sure. So our group was formed about seven years ago. I came on board about three years ago, and they really were set up as almost like a brand shop on campus. So they're really focused on design, some advertising, managing the brand, but there wasn't a really strong marketing strategy behind it. They didn't have enrollment goals. They weren't helping admissions. Um, It was really just about protecting and building the UW brand. And then they were also producing a quarterly magazine um, and website content, but it, the scope of the department was really, really narrow. I mean, was there an aha moment where where you decided, you know, we really need to change tactics here, or was it an external factor, or was it a top-down directive? I mean, how did you even come across this idea of there's another way and, and we can do a better job here? So one of the biggest catalysts to moving to Inbound was this website redesign that we were working on. And it started out as like this whole idea of, oh, our website looks really outdated. We need a better website. But that wasn't a really strong argument that we could take to our trustees or our leaders to ask for funding or help with it. So we really started to dig into our analytics and data to build the story of why we needed a website redesign. And there were three key things that we found through that that helped us build the case. So the first was that the site had ADA compliance issues. So we had to get those fixed. 
The second was that it wasn't mobile friendly. We didn't have a responsive site. We looked at the analytics and we saw that from 2012 to 2015, our mobile traffic had increased 75%. So we knew we had to make a responsive site. And then the third thing that I looked at that I was digging into the analytics was what content is being consumed on the website. And what I found when I dug into the Google Analytics was that our site was being used as an internal tool. Our admissions and and pages for prospective students were the 12th most trafficked. That was pretty telling to me that we were not effectively using the website in in a marketing context. And we started having discussions about, you know, what's the purpose of the website? Should it be, you know, is it a marketing tool? And of course, I'm... I was like 100% yes. And that really led us to, okay, how do we take the site and shift the purpose of it to be more marketing driven and not just a really, really large internal tool for our faculty, staff, and students? I'm curious, Jenny, was there any pushback on that when you you go to someone and you say, look, our admissions pages, and you're right, right, these should be top five popular pages. Was there any pushback from senior leadership to say, no, we're, you know, we're okay or, or, or anything like that? There really wasn't. I don't think anybody had ever framed the website data in this way. We really used it to, to, story, to, make a, to tell a story about why this needed to happen. They were pretty receptive to it. And then we got lucky in some ways because in the middle of this, we had a leadership shift. We had a new um, president come on board, Lori Nichols. And she came on board and said, we are going to increase enrollment and came to us and said, you're going to do an enrollment marketing plan. And so we were really lucky in that we had already started the groundwork for shifting to becoming a marketing, making the website a marketing resource. And we were able to kind of slip in the inbound of like, okay, so now you want an enrollment marketing plan. Here's how we're going to do it. And, and I guess from from your standpoint, with a new president and that and that directive, you could have come to her and said, we're going to do it in any number of ways. What was it about the inbound methodology that you felt like made it right for UW? So we had a really, really limited budget. And I felt like we could make the most progress doing really simple things with web content, blog content, social media, and just implementing landing pages for the first time. I mean, we didn't even have landing pages on our website. So if a prospective student was coming, your choices were apply or poke around on the website. And so I used this analogy when I was pitching this to senior leadership. I said, right now, our website is proposing on the first date. Um, We are, yeah, like we're expecting people to come here and just apply without getting to know us first. And so that really helped sell the idea of the landing pages kind of courting these prospective students before asking them to marry us, you know. Um, it's a, I mean, the college is a huge decision and we can't expect students to, uh, you know, convert to an application from their first visit. It's going to take multiple visits of building that relationship. So that's really the way we pitched it. Um, And the budget thing was a really big deal. Uh, We don't have a huge advertising budget. And I knew we could do inbound relatively, not cheap, but, you know, affordably and with the team that we had. So that's kind of where I came at. But that analogy helped a lot. 
I'm curious, that was probably, uh, I'm sure that worked in terms of, of leadership. How did you approach the admissions team? Were they doing anything different and you were asking them to change tactics or was this really about introducing a whole new world to them as well? I didn't ask them to change anything in the first year. Before we even purchased HubSpot and our inbound marketing software, I had the the admissions team do a demo with, with HubSpot and I, I had them go through and show them the tool and, and show them the methodology and explain why we want wanted to do things that way. Um, and they were very receptive, very, very excited to have the help. I don't know if they completely understood all the minutia of what inbound marketing is, but we didn't need them to at that point. It was just about getting their buy-in and sign-off. So once they did that, we, um, we've we been making baby steps, which when I presented at AMA was probably the biggest thing I was trying to get across was that you can do inbound and you don't have to slay all the dragons at once you can start small. And so that's what we did. We really focused for the first year on getting regular cadence on our blog, building a blogging program and getting landing pages implemented and then measuring and tracking everything so that we could use that as our benchmark year. And then going forward, (laughs) um, I have asked them to make process changes. We are right now looking at mapping our systems so that we understand the way a prospective student moves through uh, our systems here. We're looking at the way we do communication plans. And and so I am slowly asking them to change things, but it's really about building trust. You know, you, you can't expect them to change everything overnight, especially in higher ed. And so we just step by step. Jenny, you brought up something that I think is really important. And you mentioned that they didn't maybe understand all the details about inbound marketing, but you didn't need them to. I think for for listeners of this episode, who are in that same position where inbound is totally unfamiliar to them. How would you describe inbound marketing for higher education from a, from a higher level? I like to explain inbound as planning for kind of the long, the long game. So it's about putting education and the consumer first, right? So in traditional outbound marketing, you might be doing things like cold calling, billboards, advertisements, print advertisements, direct mail, stuff like that. And in inbound, it's really about, okay, how do we assist this person in the decision that they're making, regardless of whether they pick us or not? So it is a big mind shift in that because there's kind of this altruistic, if you can even say altruistic in marketing in the same sentence. <laughs> but in an ideal world you, know, you can. I don't yeah, there is kind of this altruistic mentality with it in that we are first and foremost trying to assist this person in the decision that they're making. And we want to assist them at every no matter what stage they're at. So that's the way I tried to pitch it with admissions is we want to take the content, we want to take the conversations that you're having with people and we want to make them really helpful for not just our prospective students, but anybody who's considering a degree or, you know, going to college. Is that altruistic nature the the tough sell, I guess, uh, for, for maybe in, in you and in, in your position? Was that the part where maybe there was someone saying, I, I only need, we have limited resources. We can only focus on the students that we know are interested in the University of Wyoming. Did you get any pushback on that particular aspect of it? We didn't get any pushback on that, but I do, I feel like maybe the biggest barrier in explaining inbound in higher ed is 
on the surface, it all seems really simple, right? Like, you know, you go and you pitch, you're like, we're going to start a blog. And people are like, okay, like people have been blogging for 20 years, like big deal. Or, you know, we're going to have these landing pages and they're like, huh? Yeah, that's a form on a page. It's, it's, I think the hardest part is showing how all of those combined contribute, you know, all the things you use in inbound marketing, your content, your storytelling, how all of that combines to make a really powerful marketing strategy. And so that for me is always the hardest part. I made a joke at AMA. I don't know if anybody really laughed, but I said, you know, I went to these first couple of meetings and I was pitching this idea of a blog and I felt like people were kind of patting me on my head like, oh, that's cute. You're going to have a blog. So there's there's the buy-in you have to get there too of, of yeah, some of these seem really simple, but when we combine them all together, um, it's a really powerful tool. Now, I think inbound is is one thing. And then, I mean, even within inbound, of course, though, and, and I know HubSpot coined the term, but they're certainly not the only marketing automation software out there. There's Pardot and Marketo, SharpSpring. I mean, there's a ton of tools out there. How did you end up going with HubSpot in particular? And did you explore other platforms? So I was first exposed to um, inbound in 2009. I was working for a tech startup and um, HubSpot had, I, I don't know when they launched, but they were a relatively new company. And just kind of by fate, ended up working with them. And it was such a valuable tool. It helped us so much at that startup um, with our marketing strategy and our sales team. And so I've had experience with them, you know, for almost a decade now. Um, And then I went on to work at um, a couple of other companies, used HubSpot at another company, and then was exposed to Marketo before coming to UW. And I um, just have a real soft spot for HubSpot. I think they're a great company. I think their culture is phenomenal. I have had nothing but good experiences with them. Knowing what we needed here, I felt like the dashboard was going to be the right fit for, for our team, especially as we expand the use of HubSpot across campus. So I'm, I'm a little bit biased, but I really, really just have nothing but good things to say about HubSpot. Of course, HubSpot does email, social, there's the CRM part of it, there's the keyword research, landing page, like their software is, is really expansive. And I know that you mentioned you had a small team and uh, somewhat minimal resources. So I, I guess that was my question was how you were taking advantage of everything HubSpot offered with limited resources, whether that meant you know, hey, we're not, we're focusing on slowly implementing everything or, you know, I didn't know what the answer was there. Yeah. So, um, we, so I think there's something like 26 tools in the HubSpot dashboard now. Um, and that's a lot, even for someone like me, who's had a decade of experience, I'm not using every tool that's in there yet. Um, it's just amazing. I mean, they're constantly, adding and reevaluating their product, which is fantastic. Um, But I really took a phased approach here at UW. So we started with the blog, we started with landing pages, we started with HubSpot reporting, getting some metrics in place. So we were looking at, um, you know, what of our outbound advertising was doing well, what wasn't. Um, So that was the first year And then what we've done is just slowly started implementing other pieces of it. Um, We use the social publishing tool from HubSpot 2. That's a pretty easy one to get up and going. 
Um, but then we also, you know, we're starting to dive into workflows and lead qualification and scoring and things like that. So I think you can start using a product like this slowly and still get great results. And then over time, phase into the more sophisticated, complicated pieces of it. We are using the email tool a bit as well. Um, the colleges that we've piloted HubSpot with, they're using it to reach out to students who have converted and, and helping to do some of that nurturing. So we're using that as well. Hey everyone, the hashtag higher ed podcast is part of Connect EDU, a podcast network bringing together brilliant minds in the higher ed space and breaking down silos. You can check it out at connectedu.network, where you can find great shows no matter where you work on campus, as well as resources for first-time and long-time podcasters. You can also follow along on Twitter at connectedupod and hashtag connectedu. Jay, I want to talk about the content that you're actually producing here, because I think you mentioned earlier the you know, the blog didn't seem like a, a you know, really complicated step, but that it was still a really crucial part of this process. So uh, can you talk to me a little bit about how you're actually creating blog content? Who is it writing? Who's writing the content? Is there an editorial calendar? Do you have a process in place for your content creation? Can you talk me through that process? I feel like our website was missing an area where the tone could be a little more informal, where we could speak to prospective or current students. And so the blog really helped to fill that void, um, gave, giving us the option to have, you know, some more fun than the formal website. And so what we did was we, um, every semester, we recruit a couple of interns who are students, and they write for the blog for us. I work with them to develop the editorial calendar every semester. It's half based on keyword research on things that I want us to improve rankings on. And then I also give them a lot of room to come up with organic topics, because so far in my experience, that's where we're getting the most traffic from is not these keywords. It's really these ideas the students are coming up with because they know what resonates with people their age and they do a really great job. So for funding those positions, we do either we sometimes we have a paid position, we do work study or we do for credit. And I think that's in higher ed, you cannot I mean, goodness, you have these amazing resources right here on campus with these students who want to learn, want to get experience. And I don't know about other schools, but I don't think we do a good enough job of using that, that resource. And so we're definitely getting better at it. But that's the, really the, what the blog looks like. From an editing standpoint, we have an, edit, an editorial process. So I have the students edit each other's work first, and then it goes to our magazine editor who has volunteered to be kind of the AP style guru. And so she looks over their posts for that. And then they come to me before they publish. Nobody has publishing rights within HubSpot. We give, you know, the controls that they can, they can write, but not publish. So that's what that process looks like. Are you relying on staff members, whether they're in the admissions team or faculty members, maybe who are doing interesting work? Have you expanded your content creation to include those members of the community or focusing just on current students? So that's actually something that's, um, we're working on that. Uh, we are going to add uh, the College of Education pretty quickly. Their faculty are really interested in blogging, which is always exciting. So 
we will have some faculty members blogging for us. Um, we have the pilot colleges that we used uh, for the first year as we got HubSpot off the ground was the College of Business and the College of Engineering and Applied Science. And they both regularly contribute content to the blog. Our long-term plan is to really make it collaborative. So the more writers we can get, the better. Um, I think it gives a really nice storytelling element to our marketing that is hard to get when you're writing really formal web content. And of course, a really important part of inbound is is capturing leads. I love how you phrased it earlier where you said you're proposing on the first date mm-hmm. uh, by asking students to apply when they first browse our website. Are, are you experimenting with premium content now at the University of Wyoming or is that kind of in phase two of this process? And, and if you are experimenting with it, what types of, of maybe premium content have you offered in order to organically capture more leads? So we started experimenting last year and we'll continue to this year. Um, the most successful piece we had of premium content was a senior year calendar download. So we worked with the admissions department and came up with a calendar of every month what a senior in high school needs to be looking at or considering all the way through, you know, moving into the residence halls. We made it a free infographic on the blog, but then we also made an 11 by 17 printable version that, you know, they could print out, their parents could print out, high school counselors could print out. And that one did really well. So as far as gated content goes, um, we're still experimenting, still trying to figure out, you know, We want to provide really great value when we're asking for someone's information and we want to, you know, provide those educational pieces that help them no matter where they're at in in their journey to pursuing a degree. Um, So we'll be doing more of that. It's just, you know, it's just marketing is kind of a constant experiment, (laughs) especially with as quickly as things are changing these days. And I'm curious, what happens to those leads uh, once they are captured, because I know HubSpot, of course, has their own CRM portion of the platform, but I know a lot of individuals who might be listening to this in higher education already have a CRM, whether it's Salesforce or Slate uh, or Hobson's. Is the University of Wyoming relying on HubSpot CRM or another product? And if it's another product, are you are you integrating those platforms so that data is uh, populating in the right places? Yeah. So our admissions team uses Enrollment RX, which is, I believe, a Salesforce product or ties into Salesforce somehow. Um, and so our HubSpot product connects to Salesforce and it pushes prospective student data from HubSpot into Salesforce. We're not doing complete closed loop yet. So closed loop would be if Salesforce was talking back to HubSpot. We're not doing that yet. We want to. We just have been trying to kind of take baby steps with that process too. Um, but it's it's been pretty easy to get that up and going. And then from there, you know, we're collecting data that's helpful for our recruiters because from HubSpot, you know, you can look at a prospective student lead and you can see where they've been on the website, what they're visiting, what they're interested in. And that's where, you know, on our side, we're going to be coming back with the workflows and the nurturing and lead scoring and and starting to look at, you know, the patterns of what a really, you know, exceptional student lead for us looks like. As far as connecting the two systems, it's it's been really easy. And HubSpot has been an amazing resource for that. Is there any advice that you have for someone who is maybe facing that that hurdle of, of working with, I assume it's someone probably in admissions who is kind of the point person for their CRM, whether that's 
the the dean of admissions or or another individual. Any advice for someone who needs to kind of make that connection between a marketing software and a, and a CRM? Yeah. So when I presented at AMA, I said, you know, one of the key things for me was finding my Christy and then finding my Pam. So Christy is our systems guru over in admissions. She understands, you know, the Salesforce product and the way all of these things interact um, more than anyone. And so getting her buy-in and getting her trust was key to getting this moved forward. And she has been phenomenal at um, understanding what we're trying to do, having patience as we, you know, face some hurdles, get things figured out. Um, But that was really key is finding that person. And then Pam is a member of my team who is also from a kind of a marketing operations aspect, a systems guru. And so the two of them together, we get in a room and it's just total geekdom because the three of us just like lose our minds over, you know, field mapping and data points and all this crazy stuff. And so uh, those two women have just helped move this forward leaps and bounds from where we were in the first year because they understand the back end systems, how these all, how all these things relate to each other. So if I was giving somebody advice, I would say, find your Christy and find your Pam, find those people who understand the strategy side of it, the big picture and the data, how, you know, it's life changing when you start collecting these prospective student leads and you start, you know, getting this data from HubSpot. I mean, it really, you get insights into things you hadn't expected. Uh, I mean, have you have you had a chance to, to go back and look at the big picture in terms of the difference that Inbound has made for the University of Wyoming? Are, are there really any uh, large data points or, or results that, that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of our first year results, um, which quite frankly, I had not expected to be as strong as they were. Uh, When we went back and looked at the data of how many prospective student leads we had collected through our 2017, our fall 2017 class through our campaign that we ran, uh, 20% of incoming freshmen and transfer students we could attribute back to a uh, HubSpot landing page. So I'm sure you can imagine, you know, from a when you're trying to prove your worth as a marketer, it's not always easy. Um, marketing is still a mixture of science and art. But this, being able to take a number like that um, and then being able to tie it to an ROI number was huge for us. So taking, we took that to all the way to the trustees. And we, so we reported 20% of confirmed freshman and transfer students originated from our campaign and that our estimated uh, campaign ROI was 8.6 million. And that's a number that nobody had, cal- on our side, nobody had calculated ever before. So it's really given us um, the ability to put, you know, some some numbers behind our, our campaigns and tie in, you know, the spend that we're doing on advertising, the investment we're making in inbound directly back to, um, you know, bottom line results for the university. Do you have any sense of whether these tactics actually resulted, you know, from a class size perspective in terms of how they impacted uh, University of Wyoming's entering class? Yeah. So um, overall, for the fall 2017 class, our freshman um, students were up by about 9% um, over the previous year, and our transfer students were actually up by about 12%. 
So we were really, really happy, you know, for the first year of benchmarking our marketing campaigns to see that we had a direct effect on on helping that number. I'm sure when you take that to the trustees, it's, it makes it easier for them to justify our bigger investment in inbound. Uh, so I'm curious to know now you're, you're two years into this, what does the future hold for the University of Wyoming? Are you going to be rolling this out to more schools and colleges, experimenting with more aspects of HubSpot's software, a little bit of both, I imagine? Exactly. Um, so, you know, the funny thing about the trustees, this was kind of a duh moment, but we went and presented this the results to the trustees in May. And so we didn't even have all our full numbers at that point, but we had, you know, some. So we were excited to share that with them. And our vice president said to me, Jenny, the whole point of you presenting to the trustees is that they trust you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right, of course. So getting that trust from them, showing them hard numbers, which they'd never had from our marketing before. They'd never had... Um, been able to see how the the marketing investment was paying off. And so it was huge to get that buy-in from them. The president has been a huge advocate for us. Um, and so she's actually tasked us with over the next two years, uh, rolling out HubSpot to all of the colleges on campus. We're in the process of centralizing our marketing efforts on campus. So rolling it out across you know all of the colleges. And then, you know, like I was saying earlier, um, you know, really starting to look at lead qualification scoring, um, the workflows, the communication planning with the admissions department, really stepping up our game to support them even more so than we have been. Um, and then on the content side, there's just so much room for us to continue experimenting with topics and downloads and, um, you know, social media campaigns. There's just so much for us to continue doing. And so, you know, just step by step, it's a little overwhelming sometimes, but we're just taking it day by day and we're really excited. Like it's a lot of fun doing this. You hinted at this, so I, I think I know the answer. Uh, you mentioned you're trying to get more centralized within the University of Wyoming. As you roll out HubSpot to these different schools and colleges, are you having to give each school and college their own instance of HubSpot, at least from a from a sales uh, side of the software, or are you able to bring everybody together under one instance? We're sharing one instance right now. And maybe I'm a control freak, but I like it that way. (laughs) Um, Especially because this methodology is so new here. I really like to coach people through their first campaigns, coach them through the product, provide training, um, and, and get them. I want us all to be, you know, uniformly using the same, strategies and tactics. And so right now we're under one instance. Um, It makes sense with the centralized model, I think, to keep it that way. Um, And HubSpot's been rolling out some really great ways of organizing teams and stuff within their dashboard. So it's easier than it used to be. To put a bow on all this, uh, because you've had You've come a long way since early 2016. You've had great success with Inbound and and with HubSpot. For someone out there, this is a pretty common question on on this show. For someone out there who is is listening to you and is trying to decide, is Inbound right for us? Can we implement HubSpot? How, How do we even start with this process? What kind of advice would you give to someone like that? I think probably the best thing someone can do if they have had no 
um, exposure to inbound marketing is to go through the inbound certification that HubSpot offers. It's a free certification, really, really well done and walks you through everything, not, not just the HubSpot software, but the whole idea behind inbound marketing. I have everybody who gets access to HubSpot right down to my interns who write for the blog. I have them go through that certification. So I think if you've never had any exposure to it, you're brand new, that's a great place to start. And then from there, you know, it's looking at your current strategies and and figuring out what's working and what's not, looking at your data and figuring out, you know, what are people consuming on your website? Um, you know, what does your admissions team need from you as a marketer? How can you help fill in gaps that maybe they don't have the time or um, people to help do? Um, and so that's where I really think it just comes down to is, you know, start small. I keep saying that. And, you know, it doesn't feel super revolutionary to me, but, you know, you just got to just jump in, start small and build as you go. Hey everyone, a quick shout out to the agency that makes this show possible, eCity Interactive. You know, I really do love coming to work every day at eCity, and that's not just because everyone shares my love of donuts, uh, but that's really because I get to collaborate with a talented team working on everything from user experience to content and digital marketing to web design and development and a whole lot more. Our work has earned us an incredible roster of education clients, including the University of Pennsylvania, George Washington University, Petty School, Cornell, Drexel, Rutgers, and many others. So if you're looking to improve your web and digital presence and better communicate your school's story, visit us online at ecityinteractive.com and get in touch. Well, Jenny, this has been a phenomenal episode for me. For me, uh, you know, we we are on the same page when it comes to inbound and what it can do for higher ed. Um, and as anyone who reads our own blog knows, you know, we're a little bullish on inbound. So it was phenomenal <laughs> for me to to meet a fellow unicorn, I guess we'll say, in higher ed, uh, who's who's using the methodology. Uh, before we have you give us your social shout outs, though, I want to give you the opportunity to uh, promote yourself. So please uh, tell our listeners where they can find you online or, or learn more about University of Wyoming. Sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn um, unless you want to see photos of my children and six chickens. <laughs> oh, I love that. Six chickens. Yeah, we have six chickens. Um, uh, so LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me professionally. I'm also super excited to be launching a new blog called Nerdy Girls Blog, um, a collaborative blog that's going to be written by a bunch of professional women who I adore and admire, and I'm so excited for that. That will focus on a lot of different things. I will be preaching the inbound gospel over there, but also a lot of other things, so I'm really excited about that. Um, But yeah, that's probably the best place to find me, like I was saying, unless you want to follow me on Instagram and see pictures of my kids and my chickens. (laughs) And over there, I am at Mrs. Dirty, D-U-R-T-T-Y. I am all in on chickens <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> uh, and of course, you know, every episode on this show, we ask our guests to to give a social shout out uh, to two colleagues or individuals that deserve a little bit more recognition uh, of their work. And uh, I know this was challenging for, for you, Jenny, but I think you came with a couple individuals. Oh, my in gosh. I, I'm so lucky. Like, I've worked with so many amazing people, not only here at UW, but before I came here, just... I've really, really, really been lucky. So this was so hard. And I'm even like 
a little bit reticent to even mention the first person because I don't want anyone else in higher ed to steal him. (laughs) But we have an amazing photographer, videographer in our department. His name is Kyle Spradley. He is just so talented. And I mean, he did our entire TV commercial this year by himself in-house, and it's phenomenal. Um, And you can find him at ksbradleyphoto.com. He does amazing photos of Wyoming and Colorado. That's kind of his passion is the outdoors. So um, I will let you have that, but don't steal him from us. (laughs) The second person has nothing to do with marketing or higher ed, but for me personally has made such a huge impact on my life in the last couple of months that I really wanted to give him a shout out. Um, His name is Louis Carino, and he is actually uh, like a coach, personal trainer in the fitness industry. And the amazing thing about Louis is that he's just, he's one of those people who I feel like is going to go on to do really, really big things. And I am so lucky that I've gotten to meet and get to know him. Um, He's based out of Canada but he just runs his business with so much integrity. He, you know, for being in the fitness industry, he could probably make a lot of money by not doing that. But he is just such a stand-up person and has been such a joy for me to get to know. And he has personally helped me become a healthier person. So I just adore him. And his website is lgthetrainer.com. So the last person is Annie Flansrich. And she is probably the most talented content creator I've ever worked with. I think there are a lot of freelance writers out there who can, you know, they can produce content for you, but it takes somebody really special to understand the strategic reasoning why you're doing content a certain way. And Annie just gets that. Um, So she actually owns her own business. She writes, um, she does content marketing, you know, strategic communications, um, all sorts of stuff. And her website is flans, F-L-A-N-Z, rights.com. Well, Jenny, one more time, thank you so much for joining the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast. This was an awesome way to, to start season two. And I'm really excited to see what the future holds for the University of Wyoming and, and its inbound marketing efforts. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been great. 